0: Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, well, welcome back once again to the B2B MX conference that is taking place here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and to the Demand Gen Radio podcast. I hope you've been enjoying these episodes of the folks that are here at the conference. I am now joined by Masha Finkelstein, and she is coming over to us from Google. She's here at the conference, second time at the conference, second time speaking at the conference. And Masha is um, responsible for global marketing, devices, and mobility. And you're going to hear us talk a lot about the Chrome uh, platform. So hey, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: How's the conference been going so far for you today?
1: You know, pretty busy to be honest. <laughs> but that's kind of how things go, right?
0: It's a conference. Yeah. Yes. It's it's um, you know, my kids when they were younger and I would tell them, hey, I'm going to this conference, they it seems so glamorous to them. It's mm-hmm. like you go to these hotels, you go to these places, you have these dinners. It's like, it's exhausting. Yeah. It is. But certainly worthwhile coming to. I've been encouraging people who are not here. To think about this conference for next year or mm-hmm. other conferences they have, because the networking is really tremendous. Yes, and we I get agree. to meet each other for the first time. Yes. So talk a little bit about your role. You were you were sharing with me responsible for the Chrome pr- platform uh, in the B2B, the uh, the uh, business market.
1: Right. So people tend to be pretty familiar with Chrome browser, right, the consumer version of it. Yes. But there's also a whole side to it that people are less familiar with, which is the Chrome Enterprise side. And it has the Chrome browser, Chrome OS, and Chromebooks all packaged together, or separately, up to you, whatever you want. But I get to market the awesome products from, from that side of things.
0: What's it, well, Before we go into the role, what's it like working for the Google Cloud group? Because it really, as I've understood it, we've done some work for them, you know, you're almost a startup within Google.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a startup that has the benefit and the scale of Google, <laughs> but that's kind of how it feels in, in there.
0: So you have some deep pockets, and a lot of a lot, lot of facilities, gorgeous facilities. Mm-hmm. I've been to the offices before. Mm-hmm. Really, such a, a, a great passion for the employee culture and employee mm-hmm. in, environment. Uh,
1: have you have you gone into a nap pod yet?
0: I have not taken a nap in a nap pod yet. You uh, should try I, it next time. I, you know, I'm, I'm always there for a meeting, so I, it would be hard for me to go, excuse me, do you mind if I jump <laughs> in one of these nap pods and take a nap? They're super cool, though.
1: Yeah. Maybe schedule two meetings 15 minutes apart.
0: Yeah. It's like a, like a little bit of a spaceship. It's uh, mm-hmm. crazy. Um, you, you said a lot of people know the Chrome brand. People associate Chrome, as I do, uh, with the Chrome browser, which I use and I love. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have moved away from... Internet Explorer or other versions of Microsoft's browser, and even Safari, and standardized on on the Chrome uh, browser. You market to businesses, and one of the things that you speak about and you're passionate about uh, is ABM. And if you remember yesterday during the keynote, I asked anyone if they were crushing it in ABM, and there was one hand in the room, some tiny gal, and I say that because I couldn't see her, I could just see her hand uh, in the back of the room. And that's because it's hard. I don't think anybody in that room wanted to be confident enough to say that they were crushing it because we're all on a journey learning about the tools, the technologies, the methods. But it would be great for someone who's been a practitioner for you to share some of the best practices and things that are working for you. So how do you go about uh, establishing targets and and practicing ABM at Google?
1: Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll share what I can I cannot share everything, (laughs) but.
0: Some of the the secrets you'll keep. Yeah, some of the secrets
1: I'll have to keep to myself. All right. But, um, yeah, there are things that work. Like, for example, direct mail. Uh, People talk about it, and I see more and more vendors pop up in that space. And to be honest, it works. It it just does. You just send something to someone, they feel very (laughs) special. Actually, a funny story a friend of mine recently WhatsApped me and was like, Look and he sends a picture and it's a letter and a Chromebook sleeve. He's like, Is that is that you're doing? I'm like, uh <laughs> maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And Fair then way. he's like, What is this? Why why did I get it? I'm like, Well you are a CTO at a company. Yeah, we we wanna make you feel good about yourself and maybe hopefully you can also talk to us. And then later he gets a um, an actual Chromebook from us mm-hmm. as part of that same direct mail campaign.
0: Gets an actual Chromebook. Right. That's a nice piece of direct mail.
1: Yeah. Right. And he's like, "Wow, this is awesome! I'm gonna go tell all my friends about this, and I'm gonna use this, and I'm gonna..." and he already loves it, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, to hear back that feedback directly from someone who was affected by our direct mail campaign was. Yeah really nice and he definitely will consider Cloud for, for himself and for his company.
0: And you know, it's nice when Google makes a product that you can actually use as a direct mail piece and even though it might cost the company 100 hundred, hundred and fifty $150, I don't know, but there's a manufacturing cost, you can do the math and you can say, you know, what's the ROI from this direct mail program, even if we're shipping a sample or version of, of the product. When you do direct mail, are you using, uh, and you don't have to name any brands, I just want to ask the question, are you using any of the uh, print-on-demand vendors uh, that you can stitch into? I know you guys use Marketo, I don't think that's a secret, um, but when you, when you, there's some technologies here, right, that can get connected into your marketing automation system, mm-hmm. to do print-on-demand, have you gotten to that level of... Uh, Direct mail initiatives.
1: Um, I can't tell you who we use, but I can tell you who my favorite vendors are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I may or may not have used them in the past, um, but I really like Sendoso and PFL. Okay. I think they are competitors. Yes. Right, but both of them do a really, really great job with integrating to other systems and your existing Martech stack, and making sure everything is tracked properly. Which is super important for all the oh well everything you do really absolutely but direct mail especially yeah
0: the it's it's nice that you mentioned both of those vendors I know their founders I know their teams very well I certainly agree with you that both are worth considering looking at if you're going to do print on demand uh, there was a company called Cloud to You long long time ago they were one of the first they hooked into the Eloqua platform but they were very limited in their direct mail capabilities you could pretty much do like a you know folded eight and a half by eleven letter or a, a flat 8.5 by 11 letter. And that's all you could send. So you mm-hmm. couldn't do, as you guys are doing, direct, dimensional direct mail or even uh, products and SKUs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the, uh, what are some of the other marketing uh, ABM tactics that you guys are using besides direct mail? Actually, Masha, you said something so funny, which was people just like getting direct mail and it works. Yeah. Um, and it does work. And we actually get much less direct mail than we used to exactly. because the original term junk mail right. wasn't email mm-hmm. it was junk mail because there was so many catalogs and junk that would go in your mailbox that you would just literally spend the morning just you know sifting through trying to look for the bills or relevant piece but you threw out everything else and yeah
1: it, and it, I think the thing about direct mail is if you can send something that your prospect has not received before and connect to them with a story that will do it, right? Like, I remember a campaign I did at one of my previous workplaces where we sent a little plant pod with some seeds, and it was something around grow with us, Mm -hmm. and people loved that, and they sent us pictures of the plants on their desks as they grew, and we grew with them, right?
0: And that's not a very expensive direct it's mail It's not piece. at all. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not a Chromebook. Or Chromebook yeah, no. <laughs> well,
0: one of the things that, that uh, the Sendosa team and the PFL team will say, which is your point, which is send something. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't almost have to overthink it. Now, the more that you can connect the item maybe to the persona, uh, what I mean by that is back when I was at Ellie May, we would market software to... Uh, loan officers and processors and brokers and if you went uh, if you remember Beanie Babies and some of the collectibles that people were putting in their cubes mm-hmm. we would see these items in their offices that, that processors were collecting certain types of items and putting them in their cubes and offices and so we sent those type of items that that community of user was really into and right. so it was just really knowing that customer and thinking and connecting about what to they, their story exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did you pick up any swag by the way here at the show yet?
1: Uh, yes, I have to admit something. What? Um, I brought my workout clothes to this event, but I forgot anything with long sleeves, and it's pretty cold in the morning. It is cold here. So I found one booth that has shirts with long sleeves. Nice. And I got that.
0: Did you get some socks, too? There's some socks around, I've noticed, as well.
1: Yeah, I think maybe I have too many socks already. Too many socks. You know, they were they were really popular uh, a couple of years ago, yeah. and everybody had socks, And now I have too many Yeah, too many socks. We (laughs) used to have a
0: rule at the Lewis household, which is if I brought a t-shirt back from a Mm -hmm. trade show, I had to get rid of a t-shirt. That's a good rule. Why do you think uh, back on our ADM topic, why do you think, uh, you know, you mentioned direct mail. Mm -hmm. That requires a name, a company name and an address at a minimum. Otherwise you're going to waste a lot of money, especially if you're sending a Chromebook. we talk a lot about, at this conference, certainly the importance of data mm-hmm. and how dependent we are on data for effective marketing. Mm-hmm. Are there other things in your experiences besides the data dependency that is making ABM challenging? And I'm saying that one hand went up yesterday. So right. people are not, ABM's not an easy initiative to bring into the company.
1: What do you think? Yeah, two things. Um, measuring and attribution, very hard. I don't think anyone has really figured it out especially when you get into view-through conversions and top-of-the-funnel campaigns and all of that. Super hard. Um, and two is alignment with sales. Mm-hmm. Sales and marketing has to speak the same language. They have to share the account list. They have to know why the accounts are on the list. They have to know what campaigns are touching those accounts. Make sure that the follow-up is very orchestrated between marketing and sales. We do a mix of nurture and sales acceleration campaigns and specific outbound activities that our outbound sales team does. And all of that, we have to make sure is orchestrated perfectly, Mm -hmm. right? And otherwise your accounts are going to get oversaturated by all those random teams and touches.
0: When uh, there was a... At OpStars earlier this year, mm-hmm. I did a workshop on the ABM game. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was super high level, the The session that I did, but I talked about how to play the ABM game, if you remember, and I talked about you got to come up with the target accounts first, which is right. where you started. Right. Um, who, and, and maybe everybody's process is different, who should come up or lead the target account identification uh, effort? Is that marketing or is that sales?
1: I think it's data
0: let data lead it but yeah. who's going to be responsible for collecting and putting that data together so let's say for example it's the beginning of the year and Google wants to get uh, your, your Chrome products out to X number of, of accounts in your total available market yeah. who's leading that initiative to establish that list of, of targets at, at right. Google if you can share
1: so there's how things are and then there's the ideal world in my mind and they are not necessarily exactly the same but historically not just at Google but pretty much everywhere. I've seen sales uh, pick the accounts based mm-hmm. on whatever they thought was relevant information or based on past performance of similar type accounts. Yeah. Um, but with ABM gaining traction and predictive analytics and predictive scoring vendors popping up here and there, I think it's becoming more of a marketing-driven activity. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I, I think marketing usually engages the predictive analytics right. uh, and predictive scoring vendors and yeah. works with sales as they uh, come up with a model and figure out the right segments and accounts to go after. Yeah.
0: It certainly feels like uh, a collaboration. I mean, there's always gotta be mm-hmm. an owner of an initiative right. or it never gets done, right? I know that sales traditionally, sales leadership will work with their, you know, uh, the account team and say, here's your target accounts for the year. So they are used to the process of assigning territories and signing accounts to their sales team. Mm -hmm. So they have that kind of muscle memory of doing that. Marketing on their other hand, not as much. Um, They may identify total available market, but they're more down to kind of like looking at contact records or leads and going after, but not really necessarily accounts. But as you point out, Masha, that there's now tools and technologies we can use for identifying those accounts using machine learning and other other technology. What about next step in the process uh, as associating contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys address that at Google in terms of building the contacts within the target accounts once the accounts are identified?
1: Yeah, so there, there are um, lead enrichment vendors that we work with and we build out our database uh, through those as well as by running all kinds of paid campaigns including things like content syndication where we get a lead that's pre-qualified at the end and trying to drive people to our website and when they're ready making our gated content available to them and i really don't like gating content that much in websites but there is a time and place for that too right and lots of people definitely sign up for for newsletters which is a one field form which is easy sure. right and surfacing that kind of stuff yeah at the right moment in their buyer's journey yeah definitely helps
0: One mistake I see marketers make, I think it's a mistake, is Mm -hmm. when they do a targeted uh, campaign where they have the list, these aren't like landing pages that are out there where search is bringing them to. This is, you're sending an email campaign or a sequence of campaigns, and you're sending people to a landing page. Even it's direct mail. Mm -hmm. They have a form. Right. And I never say like, why is the form there? If you drove people there, you know who they are. Either A... Pre-populate the form and get rid of the form. Make the form invisible and mm-hmm. just do a blind form submission. Or better yet, just use the technology to say, if they hit this page, then they're a member of the campaign right. uh, and you already know who they are. But way too much gating. David Meerman Scott talked about that mm-hmm. this morning. You know, Free your content. I yep. think that's a good message to, to reinforce what um, you talked about measurement and so let's pit stop there for, for a bit what are some of the things that you guys are, are measuring My recommendation by the way is if people are going to do ABM mm-hmm. and establish a set of accounts mm-hmm. then almost like poker chips so visualize a stack of poker chips these are all the poker chips that are the targets and now just move them to a different location when they become customers and mm-hmm. count how many there are right you know like at least start with what are our targets and who have we moved to become customers what do you guys yeah. do in terms of, of, of measurement?
1: Um, We definitely try to track marketing influence on pipeline and revenue. Um, We have certain product-specific goals that we measure in association with every campaign. Um, I'd like to get to the point where we also measure account engagement. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean not only who's coming to the website from our target accounts, but also looking at all the way through the funnel where the drop-offs are how our coverage is changing over time for our named accounts and and things like that.
0: The account scoring, which was a topic, we did a workshop yesterday Mm -hmm. in the morning on uh, account-based marketing that Mm -hmm. Will led. And a little bit of the conversation in that workshop was in order for you to do account scoring, you got to do lead scoring, which Mm is, you know, um, very practical advice because how do you know the account score if it is a... Uh, a roll-up of the engagement scores and that. You can do account scoring in terms of looking at other criteria, but if you're looking at like behavioral scoring, mm-hmm. you've gotta do lead scoring. You've also gotta make sure those leads are mapped to the account and get um, associated with it, which is a big challenge. And I think from things I've heard, it, those, those technical challenges, the gaps in the CRM is what causes uh, ABM to be a little bit challenging. Sorry for the background noise, everybody, as they roll out carts of Lamps? I Lamps? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strange. Um,
1: yes, lead-to-account mapping. Super hard to do. Yeah. Not many people can do it. My favorite vendor there is Lean Data. I actually did a case study with them when I was uh, at BetterWorks. And I think they do a great job. And they have um, attribution tracking because they do the lead-to-account mapping. Yes. And they have a bunch of... Salesforce dashboards that come pre-built with their solution yeah. which I love.
0: That's probably why you were at Upstars because you're a fan <laughs> of Lean Data. I am. We are a fan as well. We we actually, all, uh, by the time this podcast is heard by anyone, the news is out but we announced a strategic partnership with them. They've been a partner of ours for five years but we are now doing their implementations. Oh, that's
1: amazing. Yeah,
0: we're very excited about it. You know, we've been partnered with them and go to market like you said they address some really fundamental problems very very well mm-hmm. and their enterprise customers you know we wanted to provide a really white glove treatment to make sure that they got the system implemented quickly the mm-hmm. right way and had very quick wins and long term benefit so going forward we're doing their implementations great awesome. great I technology think, yeah
1: i think they're gonna they're gonna do great
0: yeah they they have been growing tremendously they have a good team good culture and uh and a great product mm-hmm. and and The customer experience, which I talked about yesterday, too, they provide a good customer. They really care about their customer's uh, success, which is important. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about something that you weren't expecting, is Google clothing and merch. The last time I was at the campus, um, well, very early on, I bought a YouTube sweatshirt I bought some, some Google swag, mm-hmm. and I wear it a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I love my Google items. Yeah. But someone told me, you guys are actually discouraged from wearing Google clothing and merchandise outside of the hallways of Google. And when I think about it, I never really see people doing that. Huh. So, people often mistake me as a Google employee, and I said, no, I don't actually work there. <laughs> but I you know, was
1: I, I haven't heard anything about that.
0: Okay. There's no official policy?
1: Uh, Oh. Maybe I missed something during my onboarding. Uh oh. No, they sell it.
0: The, they sell all the clothing at the at the at the campus, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I love I've it. I've been
1: to the store, and I have definitely have some Google things I've that tried I wear. T- I've tried to probably. collect over the years. Yeah, proudly. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. No, they. You guys. I think you guys have some of the best merchandise of, of any of the tech vendors I know in in Silicon Valley. I went to the Twitter offices uh, one day, and they have no merch, and they have a zero merch policy. They have mm-hmm. nothing with the Twitter logo on it. And I said to them, I go, why? And they said, you ready for this? We're very protective of our brand. And I felt like they're probably one of the least protective companies of their brand in the world because the little birdies everywhere, right. which was interesting.
1: That is interesting. So I wear
0: my Google clothes proudly though. I have a great Google hat and a great Google sweatshirt and some, some YouTube stuff, as well mm. as some, some Android items. I don't have any socks. Oh. To your point. And
1: th- well, I'll send you some Chrome uh, Okay. Well,
0: let's tra- you know what? I have some great demand gen merch, so we great. should we should trade. Uh, you were doing a panel tomorrow or a talk. A talk. Uh, <laughs> even better. I'm 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 more a fan of talks <laughs> than I am panels. What's the talk on?
1: Yeah, it's about how to target SMBs using account based marketing principles.
0: What are you gonna be teaching folks?
1: I can summarize my whole talk in one sentence. All right. When you think of accounts in the standard ABM terms, um, that translates really well to SMB segments. So an account in account-based marketing equals a segment in SMB account-based marketing. And that's pretty much all there is to it, but you figure out who your target segments are because the scale is so different, right? There's over 30 million small businesses in the US as of last year. And only 18,000 enterprise businesses. You, and you can imagine what that scale of employee numbers look right. like. Right, yeah. Right? So, yeah, it's all about sifting through the noise and figuring figuring out exactly who to go to. And you can use the same principles as you do when you do your account selection for ABM. Think about fit, intent, relationship, engagement, FIRE. Yeah, right? We've oh, got
0: a little <laughs> acronym for that, I like
1: it. Yes. <laughs> and then, yeah, go after the ones that fit. Your segments, and you can actually help.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you will have a packed house because all the ABM-related topics are certainly uh, well attended. And it's great to great to have you back here. I, I'm surprised we haven't met previously, but it really goes to the point that I've been making on the podcast: is one of the greatest benefits of coming to these events is not just the sessions Mm -hmm. uh, and they are phenomenal because you're gonna learn a lot not every one of them is phenomenal we've all sat through that one that we wish we could sneak out the back door it all depends on the the person who's put the time and effort uh, into it. I'm sure you have, but also the networking is 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 great. For sure. Yeah. Have you have you met some new some new colleagues uh, yeah,
1: here? A ton. That's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's been wonderful for networking. For awesome.
0: Sure. Well, thank you for coming and joining me on the podcast. I'm sure we'll continue this conversation later into the day, and I'll. Definitely attend your session tomorrow. Look great to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for sharing all your insights.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm not sure if we're doing another one here at the show. If not, then I will say farewell for this series. I hope it gave you a taste of what's happening here at the conference, as well as the people that are attending and the topics that they are talking about. I know I'm certainly excited to be here, and I'm looking forward to going to take a break right now and attend a couple sessions, and then I'm sure we'll all celebrate uh, and get to know each other tonight. That's going to do it. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.